So the podcast has been a funny thing for me, you know, like about a year and a half ago, I was able to interview Trent and Amari Whiting on the podcast. And then uh, shortly thereafter, I was able to interview Amber Whiting, who is now the head coach of BYU women's basketball. And now I get to interview Jace Whiting, who is a basketball player at Boise State University. At the time of the interview with Trent and Amari, as well as with Amber, uh, Jace was serving a church mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so he's now been back. He's played one year at Boise State. He's going into his sophomore season. And we're going to get to learn about his history, you know, growing up, um, watching his dad play professional basketball overseas and what that taught him. And then as well as playing club basketball and, you know, being a late bloomer and what that did for him as far as understanding the respect of the grind and how he had to continue to put the work in. And then when he hit puberty, how that impacted him at that point. We'll talk about the transition from, you know, high school basketball to college basketball, as well as what he learned during his mission and how he was able to get back from his mission and get back into playing shape, which is a topic that a lot of people could learn from because he was able to get back and put the work in and chip away to where he got back into playing shape. And not only that, he was able to get into the rotation as a freshman at Boise State. So there's a lot that we're going to be learning today, as well as what his biggest life lesson is that he's taken away from basketball. Uh, I'm super excited to share this interview with all of you guys. Uh, have an immense amount of respect for the Whiting family. And uh, they've got a fan in me, that's for dang sure. And uh, today it's Jace's turn to uh, share it with all of you. So get ready. This is the Game Time Guru. So what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. My name is Shane Larson, host of the show. Uh, we are almost at the seven-year mark of doing this podcast. Uh, just for everyone's understanding, I was a senior at Boise State University when I started this, and you know, I was a Super, super senior. I was 28 years old when I graduated college because I kind of did a different non-traditional route through school. But uh, seven years running now, and we're still doing this show. It's in 180 countries, all 50 states, and we've built it because it's in large part due to the listeners, listeners and guests of this show who have jumped on and have been part of this, this uh, platform. So I just want to say thank you to everybody who's listening. Now, as I said in the introduction, if this is your first time listening, welcome aboard. Uh, hit the subscribe button so you can catch all the interviews each week. But uh, specifically, we would love for you to leave a review on this particular episode and let us know what you think, because we're going to be breaking it down with our guests here. So uh, this is a special one for me because uh, a couple of years back, I mean, within the last two years, I've been able to speak to pretty much every family member of, of Jace. Uh, but now I finally get to speak to Jace. Um, I spoke to his mom, I spoke to his father, and I've spoke to his sister. And um, now I get to speak to Jace and it's uh, we get to do a well-rounded deal here on the game time guru his name is jace whiting he's playing basketball at boise state university and we're stoked to talk to him so jace thanks for joining the show man of course good to be here all right brother we got to break some stuff down so um mm. you know when i spoke when i first spoke to your dad and your sister so amari and trent on the show uh that was before your your mom had taken the job as the head coach at byu and then mm -hmm. i spoke to your mom after that had happened and whatnot um, and I was just like, man, they're a house of hoopers. You were you were at the, on your mission, your church mission that you were serving at the time. And so, uh, but they spoke highly of you. Like I, I knew who you were uh, just from the high school athletic scene and stuff. 
But I want to get to know from your perspective, you know, we learned a little bit from them about growing up overseas when your dad was playing professionally. And mm -hmm. I want to talk to you about that because you were a little bit older than Amari. So maybe you could break it down and understand a little bit more of what was going on at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so talk to us about your, you know, being immersed into the sport of basketball with your dad being a professional hooper overseas, what it was like for you growing up over there. Man, uh, it was an awesome experience. Like, uh, so I think I was uh, six months old at the time when I went over to Italy. Uh, well, my, obviously, my mom and dad had me while they were both playing basketball at BYU. Um, but my dad ha went straight over and my mom had to wait with me for six months till I could get my visa. Uh, then we both went over as well. So from that age till I was 12 years old, we spent all that time in Italy. Uh, well, it was more like six years because uh, half the year we'd be there for his season and half the year we'd come live back in the States. But uh, I loved those, those experiences I had because uh, I just got to be around my dad um, all the time. Like, like he, for early morning practices, for example, he would always like bring me in, and uh, I jump in the car with him and uh, I just go watch him practice. And like while they were lifting the weights, I'd be out on the arena floor just shooting hoops and stuff. And then when they came out, I was always uh, just on the sideline, just like watching their practice the entire time. Um, so it was cool to be able to like witness everything behind the seat, behind the scenes, like how pros act and how they uh, get stuff done together. Um, and those things are uh, valuable, like lessons that I learned over the years that I'll never trade for anything else. Um, because like, I'm, I don't know, I've always been like kind of a visual learner. And so being able to like watch all those like tactics and strategies, especially in European ball, uh, I feel like it went a long way for me. Um, and like just being able to witness all the cool moments that my dad had. I remember, uh, one game, uh, while he was in Imola, he had a 43 point game and, uh, it was, a to beat a big, big team, it was a big rivalry game. Uh, he dropped 43 points on their head and there's a picture of him on one of those like bleacher things. And he's like pulling his Jersey this way and like pointing at his heart. And you can just see me in the corner and like, I have my like little basketball with me. And I'm just like staring up in awe, like this big smile on my face. And so like, I got to witness all, all these moments growing up, just like watching him do it all. And so like instantly it was just like, okay, I fell in love with it. Like obviously my dad pushed me to, do other sports growing up like football baseball uh i even did a little bit of wrestling um but something about basketball man it just caught my eye like something about doing what your dad did just had a little bit more ring to it and especially being able to witness all that like man it just had uh it was just beautiful to watch like it just caught my eye from the get-go and uh i knew it was what i wanted to do for the rest of my life so dude that's so sick i think i've mm -hmm. seen the photo yeah of your dad pulling maybe i haven't but if it's mm -hmm. it rings a bell mm -hmm. but i didn't if i did see it i didn't realize you were in the photo so i i've got to try to find that is that somewhere online yeah just, you know? type in, just type in trent whiting uh imola i am o l a i'm sure it's going to be one of the first photos that pops up and uh i'm just like on the right corner i think and uh he's just pulling his jersey and it, it was uh, it's one of my favorite photos i think we have it up somewhere in the house but uh, it's a, it's a great photo. Dude, so as we're speaking right now, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up because I think I I might have even used. It just seems so like I would have known that. Like mm -hmm. I, I I'll have to look at it. Okay. 
I'm searching photos. Okay, I'll, I'll go through and check it out though, dude. That's actually mm -hmm. really cool. That is so cool and so unique though that you got the opportunity to like, you know, kind of have, you, you grew up over there, a little mixed culture as well, coming back to the States, going back over there, but just seeing your dad play at a professional level. Um, mm -hmm. From what you can remember, what was the uh, atmosphere like at those games? Some people don't understand it. I mean, we're, I'm from Idaho as well, you know, it's, it's like some people over here just don't understand what it's like to actually like overseas basketball sometimes has a negative spin to it, but sometimes I'm like, guys, if you've ever watched a game and especially at some of the higher leagues, it's mm -hmm. pretty good. Like the atmosphere is wild. I lived in Brazil for two years, serving my church mission there. And I was like, dude, like I saw some <laughs> the games, even in Brazil and professional yeah. level were wild. Like it gets crazy. Mm -hmm. So do you remember from a fan's perspective, what the atmosphere was like? Oh, it was ridiculous. Like, uh, I don't know, like going to games nowadays, like whether it's a college level or like going to an NBA game, like it, like the fan base is just, isn't as fun. Like over, like over in Europe, like, it, it, like if you ever ever seen like those videos of like the crazy like fans at the the football games, like it's almost like that. Like they're nuts. Like sports is like religion up there, and so like especially in Italy, people are extremely passionate there, and so like it got to a point where my dad wouldn't even let us come to road games usually, because like if they knew that we were Trent Whiting's family. Like they were throwing garbage at us and stuff, and like, like it was it got a little crazy, and so like there was like definitely safety concerns, but at home like the fan base was crazy, and uh like it was just like people were like lighting fire in the air and stuff like that, and like throwing stuff and like man like chants going back and forth, like they had all these banners that they would make, and it was crazy, like it was just like religion there, like they lived, breathed, and like died basketball because especially like in those cities like if it was your team the whole city came out and it was like the most passionate event you've ever seen so it was it was cool. oh, that's so dope man oh my gosh we have to uh yeah we have to get some footage of this stuff because mm -hmm. it's 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 also funny because i don't know your dad too well like i've spoken to him a couple times you know i had him on the show and um you know i I didn't know him as a basketball player, but like, it's funny because I know your extended family that's, you know, out in CUNA, Idaho and stuff and whatnot. And that everyone who knows your dad apparently has talked about, like he doesn't come across as like a talker, but when his competitive juices got flowing, they'd all say the same thing. Like, dude, he's, his mouth goes flying. He's all like, and the whole thing with like pulling the shirt and stuff, he's got the competitive juices. So like, I can imagine just the atmosphere, your dad's out there doing his thing. I mean, especially if he's putting up 43 on someone like that's wild. Dude, that's so cool that you got that experience, man. Um, so I guess I would say this then, Jace. Like, you wanted to play multiple sports and whatnot. You, uh, it sounds like you played football and whatnot. Uh, what, what was? Did you always know that like basketball was kind of your main sport though, because of your dad? Um, or did you still think potentially you had opportunities in other sports or other passions and whatnot? Um. Yeah, I don't know. It just like always felt right. Basketball was just always like the one that I knew I would end up being with. Um, and I, yeah, like it definitely like was because like it had a ring to like, you know, doing what your dad did, but like, I never felt any pressure from him, from him to do it. Um, in fact, like my dad growing up was a kind of a baseball guy and uh, he loved baseball, but uh, me playing baseball, I didn't like baseball. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't like playing it. Uh, like I, I was fast in the outfield and stuff like that, but I could not hit the ball to save my life. And so, I just didn't have a lot of fun with it. I loved football. Football was fun, getting to hit people and stuff. I love doing that. Uh, but basketball, it just it came so natural to me too. And uh, just 
like the feeling of it. Like I just always knew like it was basketball for, no matter what. Like I knew by the time I would have reached high school, it was probably just going to be only basketball from there. So I don't know. It just was kind of always in the back of my mind, but I just never really had any question about it. No, for sure. For sure. You know, I have a question for you, Jace. Like at, at the time you were at Burley High School, um, you're were, you were competing. And for those who aren't aware of Burley, uh, for those listening in other states and other parts of the world, uh, Burley High School, is, it's a small town. Uh, I guess it's it's considered 4A uh, for classification. So it's not the smallest towns of towns. Like it's it's getting bigger, a lot bigger. But growing up, Burley was just kind of like a small town, like a smaller town than like the Treasure Valley of Idaho. I'm from Meridian, Idaho. So it's just a smaller town. I guess it's gotten bigger. But like it's not well known specifically like for like it's not like a big name. So you don't see a ton of names coming out of there. So I'm just mm -hmm. curious, like how your high school basketball experience was, what the training was like, especially coming from like a house of hoopers, like, you know, your dad and your mom both. Uh, and then your sister obviously was was hooping alongside with you, you know, and just what was your training like to make sure that you were able to stick out at Burley? Because you guys were getting recruited out of Burley, Idaho, and that's not honestly not very common i know we're seeing more names like gatlin bears getting recruited from football and stuff because he's got unbelievable speed and athleticism but it's not very common um and so you guys were able to get recruited so i'm just curious like what it was like what were you doing to stick out yeah um i don't know so i didn't grow up in burley but i moved there my sophomore year of high school uh because of my dad's job he uh got promoted and they're uh well, Redox is the name of the company. It's based out there in Burley. So that's where we ended up moving to my sophomore year of high school. Um, I don't know, like before going there, like I guess what really made me stick out is uh, like just my love for the grind. Like I like I don't like to toot my own horn. Like I try and stay humble about it, but like I worked like that was something that I caught on to very early. Um, like just working. I knew like I wouldn't be able to get anything I wanted unless I worked for it. Uh, and it came from like when I was younger from a, a story. Uh, so I hit puberty pretty late. So I was a really, really late, late bloomer. And uh, I had always been on this travel team in Utah. And we were really, really good. Um, we would play all across the nation and go and beat all these teams. And uh, uh, we had a really good squad. And I was always one of the better players on this team. Uh, but around the time like we hit seventh, eighth grade, uh, everybody was like starting to get mustaches and like chest hair and stuff like that. And they're all big, big, big men. And uh, I was just like a little boy out there. I hadn't even hit five foot as an eighth grader. And so I was just tiny out there. And uh, I remember that summer, um, one of the last like tournaments of the, of the summer, uh, we played like five or six, maybe seven games. And I didn't score not one bucket the entire tournament. And uh, it was just because like, it wasn't that I wasn't wasn't a good player, but I just was too slow, too small, and not strong enough to play with the other kids. And uh, it just it was an awful feeling. And uh, I remember after the tournament, we ended up taking like third or fourth place in California, and um, we were taking uh, individual pictures with this these medals that they gave us. And uh, this like camera guy that the tournament uh, employed, um, he was taking pictures of each and each of us and uh i got to my turn and i remember he had to lower the camera just for me because i was so tiny and uh i remember all my like teammates like started like giggling about it and then he took my picture and then he looked at me and he's like hey how many years younger than you are than are are you than all these other kids and uh 
I just looked at him. I was like, bro, I'm the same age as everybody. And I'm probably one of the older ones because I'm a summer birthday. And he just like looked at me and like gave me this weird look. And all my teammates like just started busting up laughing. And uh, I remember right there, like I just ran to the bathroom and started crying because uh, that was like the worst feeling in the world. Like, like I just like I've told you, like I've always loved this game of basketball. And so it was a bad feeling for it to feel like, you know, there was nothing you can do about it. Like it was just getting taken away from you uh, no matter how hard I worked for it. And uh, I remember I just like didn't talk to any of my teammates, didn't talk to any of my family. I just put my hood over. And uh, when we went home, uh, I just stayed away from everybody and kept my distance. And I just remember going to my room, slamming the door, throwing the bag on the wall. And uh, I just like sat there and cried for a while. And uh, I don't know, like that was a time in my life where I felt like I was, well, I hate to say it, but like I was angry with God at the time because like I'd always been taught like God loves children and so why would he be taking away the, like the one thing I loved? And uh, for like the next couple of days, I just kept distance from my family and not talking to anybody. I remember one morning my dad came in and he just like looked me in my eye and he was like, Jace, I'm not stupid. Like I've, I know what you're going through right now. Like I've been giving you your distance and your space, but uh, I want you to know like God might not love basketball, but he loves you. And uh, I don't know why he's doing this to you, but uh, everything's for a reason. And let's just control what we can control right now and get to work. And I, I remember we were waking up like four or 5 a.m. before school, uh, m most mornings bef before school. And then we would work out after school and we were just getting up shots, shots, shots and uh, working on my game. And um, slowly but surely, like I gained a better role on this team just because I was working so hard. And uh, by the time I finally hit puberty, like, it was game over for everybody. Like when I finally grew, <laughs> it was like I had that work ethic there and I had all these different skills that none of them had because they were relying on their like strength and how how tight, how tall they were and stuff like that. And so I just immediately passed them all up so fast and ended up being like the second or third one on the team with a scholarship offer. And um, I think I am playing like this last year, I was one of the only, I was one out of two players on the team to play as a freshman. And so it was just like, it. I definitely know it all happened for a reason. Like if I, I hadn't been that small, like I wouldn't have learned those skills and I wouldn't have developed a work ethic. And so going into Burley, like I, that work ethic stayed with me. And uh, like before practice, before school, like we were always in the gym. And even after school, we were always in the gym getting up shots and stuff. So that always just like stayed with me. And uh, I don't know, that definitely separated for me from other kids at Burley and made me stand out, but also from all the other kids in the state. Because I don't know if you noticed my senior year, like I wasn't the tallest dude. I wasn't dunking on everybody, but uh, I was definitely uh, out there uh, getting buckets. So I don't know. Like it was just because of that work ethic. Like I wasn't the most gifted, like, you know, height wise or like speed or athleticism wise. But uh, what God gave me, he gave me a double portion in will, in heart, in mind, uh, in a strong mind and grit and like in my work ethic, too. So. Those are all these things that uh, I try and carry with me even here at Boise State. So, yo, that's that's absolutely wild, actually, and I respect that a lot because you know you're talking to somebody like myself who was never the most athletic. I couldn't, I didn't have springs, I didn't dunk until I dunked my senior year once. And it was after my mission that I dunked again, but never in a game. And I, I can't even grab the rim anymore. Like I'm six two, mm -hmm. and I, I, there's no way. Like I was never, but I could shoot. You know, I can yeah. shoot and I'm strong. So like, I, I can always use my strengths to my like ability, you know, like just, I love how you put that though. Like you were able, uh, you put the work in where your strengths were at and you were hooping, dude, mm. you were hooping in high school. Like that's, I knew your name because of it. Like it was all over the place. Like going to Twitter, it's all over Twitter. Like 
was this Chase Whiting guy. Like, like everybody knew who you were. You were putting up buckets, dude, and that's awesome. Um, and I'm I'm glad you shared that experience because as you're talking, I'm thinking about some of the kids that I've coached uh, in in club basketball. I coach the high school kids, so anywhere at 16, 17 year old range is what I've coached. And we see a lot of the kids, even at that age, they still haven't peaked, and and they start getting a little bit impatient. But then I've seen some of them that like they're right about to hit their spurt. They're late bloomers. Maybe when they're 17, they'll hit a growth spurt. Even when they're 18. And they hit that spurt, but they're impatient a little bit and they start to get down on themselves. But I think what I could say, what we learned from what you just said there was put the work in, keep grinding, keep grinding. Cause when the time comes where it's, cause everybody hits puberty at a different level. Yeah. When it comes, if you've been doing the work, it's going to be so noticeable, like exponential. And it sounds like it was right. hundred percent. Yeah. It was night and day difference. <laughs> so sick. Now, when you said that you were putting in work in the gym before school, after school, getting shots up. Can you tell me like what that consisted of? Because I don't think people like there are some kids that I've coached Jace that like think they're putting in work. Mm -hmm. What does getting up shots mean to you? I want I want to see like from somebody who's done it and knows yeah. what they're supposed to be doing. What does that mean? Man, uh, I feel like it's even evolved for me even now. Uh, man, uh, like if I take it back, I'm trying to remember what getting up shots for me was in high school. Um, like, I don't know, before school, me and my dad, like, we would get up, we would do, like, ball handling and stuff, and uh, we would do scenario drills. I remember that, like, was tough for me at the first time when we started doing that because, like, you know, back in, like, getting in, like, elementary school, like, you walk in the gym, you shoot around with your buddies and stuff like that. You chase the balls, every like, around the gym and stuff like that, and then you call it good. You end on a make and you go home. Um, but, like – my dad was like putting me through workouts where we, we got the chairs out. We were coming off ball screens, getting in different scenarios, uh, making shots, like coming off the pick and roll or off of down screens and stuff like that. And I was in a full on sweat and like had a side ache before the workout ended. And, uh, that was right before going to school. And then like after school would get right back at it. Um, but like in junior high, I'd say I was making about, about a hundred shots a day. Um, then when we got to high school, it became like 300 shots a day. And then now here at Boise State, like in the off season, it's about 500 shots a day that I'm making. Uh, I don't ever just count shots. I do makes because, uh, you know, it's one thing to get in the gym and put up a thousand shots, but, uh, okay. How many of them were quality? Uh, cause it's better to get up a hundred makes than a thousand shots. If all of your like makes were quality reps and you're like going as hard as you can and uh, making them game-like because uh, then it slows down the game when you're actually in the game. And so uh, I don't know, like I see a lot of kids go in the gym and they'll just like start shooting threes immediately. And uh, I always start shooting. I get floaters going, get my touch going. And then I start shooting one-handed shots, get my form in. And then I start at close range, work my way out, start with some free throws. And then we're into game game mode where I'm starting with different floaters. Then I'm working my way out to mid-range, then threes. And then uh, – dribble dribble off the dribble threes and then ball screen threes and different scenarios and then working on my range and i usually try and go five feet behind the line and uh work on shooting from there and uh i think that was what made the biggest difference for me is uh that like the quality of the work instead of uh just like reps like reps is good but uh the quality and the intent about it is way better for you so i don't know that's, that's, what I that's do. huge though. No, that's, that's mm -hmm. perfect because I, I love that you said it. like a hundred shots, maybe junior high school, hundred makes a day, then 300 makes a day, like during high school. And right now you're at Boise state division one level, mm -hmm. 500 makes a day, like, and you're doing quality shots in, in that regard. 
I, I always tell people this, Chase, because even still today, I'm 35, but my buddy and I will go and get shots up. Uh, we'll do shooting drills together every once in a while at our at our church. And it's like, you know, it's not like at your level, obviously, but we're, we're still getting shots up to get a sweat going. And I'm, I tell people, I'm like, dude, even just getting up 500 shots, you know, mm-hmm. like and we're talking like maybe I make 350 to 400 out of those mm-hmm. shooting anywhere between 75 to 80 percent um, is I, if you're not used to shooting that many shots, you're going to burn out like people like these kids that i'll take to go like these are your high school athletes that play in varsity they'll come and do shooting workouts with us and within 100 shots they're like dude my triceps cramping <laughs> like dude you better figure it out man because like you should be doing this every day like not just once every like yeah. six months like this should be every day because you got to get that rotate and here's here's what i want to ask you from your experience you know you're competing at the division one level some would say why like i've got kids that play varsity ball and they they average you know 16 to 20 points a game in their varsity level and they're like coach at the very most, I'm getting maybe 12 shots a game. Why would I be putting up 500 shots and making 500 shots in a, in a workout? What's the point? So I want to ask you that, Jace, from somebody who is now in the Division One level competing there. You competed at the high level in, in high school as well. Uh, what would you say to that? It's uh, it's funny that you brought up the endurance factor, like, you know, your triceps cramping and stuff like that. Uh, like, if the first thing that comes to my mind is, like, Steph Curry. Like, everybody talks about his, like, conditioning is absolutely insane. Um, and like, I remember every time, like the season, season is over. My dad usually takes me, makes me take a, a couple of weeks off, uh, just to let like my body heal and like let that hunger kind of build up again to like get at, get back after it and start working again. And so when I get back in the gym, like even making just a hundred shots, like it, it's, it's pretty tiring at the start and, uh, like everything started to cramp my arms and my legs and stuff like that. And so like building up in that endurance is super important, like getting to that point where you can make 500 shots and uh get up a good sweat but like you're not tired by the end of it like you can still keep going because when you get in the game all of a sudden you got to play defense you're playing your butt off especially at the division one level where you got coaches on your butt like if you're going to get pulled if you're not playing defense so you can't really take plays off so your endurance needs to be at its peak and so uh and then like all the like bumping and like the physical contact like that takes a toll on your body especially uh throughout the game it you definitely need a lot of conditioning to be able to get your legs into that shot because just like you said like at at max you might be shooting 12 shots but uh over the course of that game like your legs keep getting more tired and more tired and so you need that endurance to be able to make every shot feel like it's going to be your first one so uh your legs are going to be there and you're not going to be tired because uh i don't know like if i just went in the game and started putting up those shots and i never put in the work or like the endurance uh build up for that then i feel like one two maybe three shots would be good but uh that fourth fifth and then on down the line to the my tenth shot are going to probably be board balls going off the other side of the rim or really short so i don't know it's definitely an an endurance factor you got to get that endurance up so oh i appreciate you saying that that's what so i want everyone who's listening i always encourage everybody who if this is your first time listening to the show great probably listening to it on your phone of some sort but take out the notepad on your phone or whichever device you're on and rewind that and listen to what jace just said on that because that's huge like if you're a coach if you're an athlete if you're a parent i don't care who you are that's listening to the episode but that's an important factor i and i'm glad that you just answered that that's the first time i've actually asked somebody that question in seven years of doing this show so thank you for answering that that's uh that's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jace, I want to ask you this too. You know, as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, I served a mission as well. I served in Brazil for two years. And I have a question because it's always kind of been, it stood out to me uh, just because I knew who your family was. So I was kind of keeping an eye when you came back from your mission and then just being able to not only 
get into your okay it's so hard for me to like even fathom what you were able to do coming back from a mission and then not only just like getting back to you know college basketball but then like actually making an impact in games and like being a big part of the rotation on that team and and doing your thing because when i came home from my mission jace every mission is different but i was like 170 pounds i lost 30 pounds on my mission i was a stick i had no strength no endurance when i tried to go play my first like run of basketball i hadn't played for two years because we were in brazil so we were just playing soccer all the time dude i couldn't walk for like a week legs were i mean i don't even know like how people get back into condition after mm -hmm. taking two years and i have listeners on the show i've got kids that i've coached that are members of the church who might actually serve missions as well so maybe they would like and maybe they're apprehensive about it like, i'm gonna lose all my athleticism i'm not gonna be able to come back the same and uh and i also have a coach james jansen who's at tbcc who has put together a program for return missionary athletes. Uh, he's got a website for it and everything, trying to help them with their recruiting during the time that they're out so that they can still stay in contact with coaches. So anyway, mm -hmm. there are, it's a large group of people who kind of want to know a little bit about the return missionary stuff. And like, how did you, I guess, did you get to stay on shape, stay in shape on your mission? Um, and if not, like, how did you get yourself back into shape so freaking quick, at least from the outside, it seemed like it was fast. Yeah. Um, like obviously you get that like hour in the morning to go work out and stuff um but like i don't feel like that's enough and like so I'm, I'm not gonna lie like i got home and i fell out of shape like i was still strong because like for that hour like i'd be lifting weights and stuff but it wasn't like i was running or anything and um i don't know a european mission is probably different from brazil like we're getting fed all the time and so like i came home a little chubby and i remember taking off my shirt when i got home and my sister like looked at me and she's like uh you don't look the same <laughs> that that wasn't yeah uh that didn't feel too good at that comment coming out of her mouth but uh that definitely gave me a little bit of motivation to get back in shape but uh yeah i came home a little chunky um but uh i'd say like your body wise like getting in shape and losing that fat or like building muscle back up um that only took me a summer to get back uh that was fine um like just getting like we have a really good uh weights coach too and so he was able to help me get in shape like after so we'd be hitting weights pretty hard and then um after weights i'd get on the bike or something like that or hit the treadmill and i uh, get that extra aerobic work in so that i cut down all my fat and stuff and so i think i came home like 14 or 15 percent body fat and then by the end of the summer i was like eight or nine percent body fat so i looked i looked just fine again um but like basketball shape that takes a while to get back i feel like um i think that and then um getting your touch back is a big thing uh like i remember like the first half of the season i was like a little scared to shoot floaters in games because uh my touch just wasn't there and like i was worried i was going to shoot a board ball or like it was just going to air ball on the other side of the rim because like i was shooting rockets like i just didn't have that touch and same thing for like my threes like i just like i was shooting it good but I didn't feel like I was right there where I needed to be. Um, it wasn't until like about halfway through the season where it was like, okay, after December, I was like, okay, like I feel like me again. Like my touch is there. My conditioning is there. Like I'm shooting it really, really well. Uh, so I think it takes a good half, half of a season to get it under your belt and you're fine. Um, but I do want to say that uh, because I served a mission that uh, I feel like I also gained a lot of extra ability. I feel like my body matured and uh, I don't know why I maybe it was because so I lived in the city where and I was serving in Finland. And so we were always sprinting for buses and trains because we were always missing them and late and stuff. 
And so we were sprinting all the time. And so when I came home, like I felt like my first step was like quicker almost than when I was before my mission. And uh, like just what the way my body matured too, like I felt stronger and like, like I could throw dudes around and stuff. Like when I get switched onto a big in games, like when I get low, I think I can throw them around pretty well. And I think it surprised everybody how strong I am. Um, but like, I feel like you just gain uh, different kinds of athleticism while you're on your mission because your body matures and you finally become a man. And uh, whereas you wouldn't get that just going straight out of high school. But uh, like, it was definitely difficult. Some days it felt like uh, you were trying to chip away at this brick wall and uh, ho hoping it finally comes down one day. Like some days after practice, I'd call my dad and be like, dude, bro, like everything hurts all the time. Like I was spending a lot of time in that training room trying to get treatment. Like I was sitting in the ice tub a lot. Uh, but like, it's definitely a grind, but, uh, it's definitely worth it. Like you just got to stick with it. It, it comes because, uh, eventually that wall has got to come down at some point. And when it does, it's a great feeling. And, um, one thing you'll find out is, um, when you sacrifice that two years for the Lord, uh, you'll never find, uh, the Lord indebted to you. He always repays us 10 times over. And so I feel like because I served a mission, I'm an even better player because of it, uh, because of like personal things I learned. Uh, and how to carry myself throughout life. But I also feel like um, I had a great freshman year uh, because of him. Like, I felt like his hand was a little bit in the mix because uh, when I got home, I was expected to redshirt and stuff. And at the start of the summer, like, Leon had me down as redshirting for sure. But uh, a week before school started, my dad came down to visit me, and Leon pulled him aside, and he's like, hey, Jace's looking great. Like, I don't know what happened to him, but, like, he picked it up, and he's looking good we're going to need him this year. And my dad looked, looked at him and he's like, you, you, Jace isn't redshirting. What are you talking about? And he's like, Oh no, we're going to need him. He's going to play minutes. And so my dad called me and told me, and I was like, Oh shoot. Like I'm actually playing this year. And so, uh, I definitely think he had a hand in that and I didn't feel like it was going to be possible without him. So, uh, you'll never find, find yourself indebted to the Lord because he always repays us 10 times over. I love that. Again, mm -hmm. I would encourage, anybody who's listening to this especially that demographic of people i was talking about to take note on that i think that's super super cool and it's cool that you realize that and recognize that you know a lot of people don't actually recognize that or at least uh vocalize it i should say so i think that's super super cool um oh that's so dope you know jace when you got back it was i guess from the time you left on your mission until the time you got back uh things had kind of changed uh from like for your family right uh we had mentioned before like your your mother had taken the head coaching position at BYU for women's basketball. Um, so subsequently, I guess the family moves. Uh, was that kind of, I mean, obviously you knew that was going on before you got home and when, when all that was going down, but like, was it kind of a change for you mentally when you came home and you're like, oh shoot, well, everyone's now there instead of like mm -hmm. local. Uh, what's funny is I didn't know any of that was going on when I got oh, home. Didn't? No. Uh, I remember we got in the car and, uh, well, we got home that first night. And then the next day, my sister had like a practice down in Salt Lake. So we got in the car to drive from Burley to Salt Lake. And then in the car, my mom like hands me uh, this like resume that she had made. And she just like explains to me, oh, by the way, like I put my name in the hat. Like I'm interviewing for the BYU women's basketball job. I like, okay. Like you didn't want to tell me about this like a couple of weeks ago when you decided. Yo, I didn't know that. That's why yeah. I was thinking and so she just surprised me with that. And like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, like how many people applied for that job with like 50, hundred people or something like that. So I was like, okay, like that's cool that she applied, but uh, is she really going to get it? And then like later that week, like we found out she got it. And I was like, 
okay and then like my mind like i didn't i don't think it sank in yet until uh my dad like called in the movers and they like started packing everything up and i was like oh shoot like they're all moving to provo and i'm going up to boise in a week and so it was just like we're going both opposite ways and so i was like oh like it's kind of sad that uh they're moving all the way that way because like i was expecting them to like be able to be close to home and you know coming to my games and stuff like that but uh like I got to spend two months there after the season and uh Provo's a good spot. I really like Provo a lot and watching my mom like coach and stuff like it's her thing. Like it, it's just her calling. I could tell 100%. Um she loves it. She eats it up. She loves the girls and uh they all love her. And uh like it's just like one of those things like you look at her and you, no, this is what she was meant for. Like it's just her kind of thing. She digs it and uh she likes being the boss and uh Trent doesn't like to say it but she might wear the pants in the family a little bit but just kidding uh but she's she gets after it. she's a feisty one so her being a head coach like that totally suits her 100 so no that's uh, that's super cool man like mm-hmm. it's funny because you know i didn't know your parents except like i didn't know your mom except for being a coach and we were covering high school sports uh when they won the state championship obviously amari was a junior i think at the time and i just remember being like i didn't know that that was actually uh, Amari's mom. I didn't know that was your mom. I was just like, oh, dude, the head coach. Yeah. I was telling my buddy, who was my business partner at the time, I was like, dude, the head coach is like in a defensive stance the entire game. Like your mom was like down in a defensive stance on the mm-hmm. sideline, like longer. I was like, I don't know how. I can't even squat that long. I don't even mm-hmm. know like how that's possible. But she was like into it, and I was like, dude. And then mm-hmm. obviously I came to find out more and more. I got to know them better, and I was like, holy crap, yeah. So what you're just saying right there, mm-hmm. totally makes sense. Like she was built for that. Like that's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and now. You know, your sister is going to be playing there, coming off an injury, you know, a knee injury, uh, but she's going to be playing over there. And do you guys go, do you guys battle back and forth with the competitive edge? Like, who's a better hooper, or this and that? Like, who's a better shooter and whatnot? Obviously, like, I'm sure you're biased on stuff, but like, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on like having two college hoopers in the family, you and, and Amari? Oh, it's nonstop. And then you throw Trent in the mix, and it's just like, <laughs> and then you throw Amber in the mix, and it's just like nonstop, like chirping all the time. Like, somebody's always talking trash. Someone's always like claiming, oh, like, oh, like Trent, Trent's claim is, well, he got inducted to the Hall of Fame at Snow College. So he always calls himself Hoff. And so, like, he'll say, oh, Hoff this, Hoff that, or something, or like, or like, he'll, he'll be like, oh, like, I played pro, or this is like the pro ball, or something like that. And then we'll both, like, me and Mario will like gang up on him and start chirping back. And then Mario will like start chirping and I'll start chirping. And it's just like nonstop, like the most competitive family of all time. And, we all talk trash and get after each other, so it's funny. And uh, hey, real, real talk, though, real talk. It, it, can Trent still shoot the ball better than y'all? Because like he seems <laughs> like a guy who would probably never let that go. Because he can, he seems like one of those guys, like a hooper. I, I yeah. will never let any of my players beat me in a shooting competition. Still, and I'm 35. <laughs> like, and so I, I, I understand. I imagine Trent would be like that. Is it, is your dad yeah. like that? Uh, like he gets to hoop for sure. Um, but uh, like if we're claiming like best shooter in the family, like it's not no question it's me for sure um like he he used to get me back in the day for sure but uh he ain't getting me anymore uh like we like to this day like like he's still in really good shape and so like we would play one-on-one all the way till i was a senior in high school and uh like he would get me a couple times like about like sophomore junior no about my junior and senior like is when i start beating him consistently but uh he still get me every now and then and uh it gets really physical like well, when we're in the gym and we're playing one-on-one, like, my mom has to go inside because, like, she gets anxiety watching us because, like, she just can't stand it because it's, like, a pride thing to call a foul. And so, like, it just gets to the point where it's, like, almost, like, like prison ball. 
and we're just like throwing each other around like like clocking each other and stuff and it gets pretty heated but uh it's all love in the end but uh he's he still hoops for sure and like uh we haven't played a one-on-one since i got back on my, on my mission but uh, like we've gone to like open runs and stuff and he'll he'll just put on his shoes and come hoop and, like he still gets buckets for sure so n- there's no doubt like if like we're walking the gym and uh we're playing open run and like i'm picking like i'm definitely picking him first because he he gets to hoop so yeah Dude, okay, so a question that I now now it's been like a year and a half, but like a question that I asked him and Amari on the show, because your dad comes from a generation where like people wear their shorts like they're supposed to wear their shorts below the knee cap, okay? Uh-huh. Whereas nowadays everyone wants to wear it like it's like a it, apparently it's a competition to see how far you can roll them up, even if you're a dude. And so like I go back and forth, and I'm like, dude, that's just I can't I I give my players so much crap for that. I'm like, dude, get some longer shorts. So like I was kind of more on your dad's side, and Amari was more on like the other side of that. I gotta get I gotta get your point of view, Jace. Like you're coming from a different you come from your dad, but you've been playing in this era. What are your opinion on the short like the the length of the shorts in which you guys play in now? Uh I think I'm in a little bit of a gray area. Like y'all's <laughs> generation, that was like the fab five, like fad, like shorts over the knees and stuff like that. Um, I personally hate that because like I just I feel like it's a lot of extra material just like hitting my legs and stuff. I'm like, ah, I hate that feeling. But uh, I'll roll it once, like, so where it's just, like, barely above my kneecap. So I like keeping it there. But uh, all these, like, dudes that, like, be rolling it, like, three, four, five times and, like, their stuff is starting to show. I'm like, no, nah, you got to get that out of here. I, I, can't, I can't deal with that. Uh, I, I don't know. Girls roll it a ton. I think they're fine with it because they're girls. They could get away yeah. with it. Um, but dudes that do that, no, nah, I, I don't mess with that. They can't do that. So that's got to go away. <laughs> I'm like, yo, dude, y'all are trying to show how much, like, what brand of compression shorts you got. I don't know. Like, we need to exactly. Like, I mean, they might as well take off the shorts and wear compression shorts. Like, we're seeing the same stuff. It's like, it's nasty. <laughs> we're getting to that point. So, I just I had to ask exactly. that question. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and by the way, the Fab Five, I mean, we're talking that's in the 90s, but it's like mm-hmm. Jimmer Fredette for crying out loud, 2010. Oh, era, he, he wore long shorts those, too. Those shorts were long. Yeah. I remember that. Well, like, growing up playing, like, that was the short that we wore for a while. And then I don't think, it changed until like about my junior year till like shorts kind of right. started getting shorter again. But uh, yeah, going like, I remember putting on a pair of shorts the other day that were uh, super long and I was like, no, I can't go back to that. It's just like <laughs> a lot of extra material, like hitting my legs and stuff. And I'm like, I don't like that feeling. Oh, it's funny. Cause anytime I have friends of mine that I, I played with and stuff, they'll come watch a, a basketball game. And every time it's like the first time watching high school sports in a long time, they'll be like, what in the heck is going on here? I'm like, yeah, dude. Like, oh, that's been going on for like six years now. So yeah. anyway, um, Jace, as, as uh, I want to know some of the expectations for kids that are like getting into the collegiate realm. What was the biggest transition for you going from high school athletics to, to college athletics? So was it academics? Was it trying to stay on touch with your, your, you know, your academic schedule? Was it the actual transition to division one athletics? Like, bigger, stronger, faster. Like what was the biggest transition for you going from high school ball to college ball? Uh, for sure. The game, um, the game's a lot faster for sure. Uh, and I mean by that, like windows are a lot smaller and, uh, decisions have to be made a lot quicker. And so like, I don't know, like, I'm glad I finally got a year under my belt and like got to learn all those different things because, uh, yeah, just like guys are a lot bigger and a lot longer. And so like, I can't shoot normal shots down the lane anymore. Like, if I shoot a regular layup that I think I'm wide open, like this guy's coming from behind and he'll get his long arm on it and stuff. So I kind of got, got to put a little bit more loft on some shots and stuff like that and be more crafty around the rim. 
But uh, I think just the biggest thing is the speed of the game. And uh, you'll pick up on it. But, like, just like going back from junior high to high school, like that jump, like the speed of the game is just faster. And same thing with high school to, you know, Division One sports. Like, it's just a lot faster. Like, guys are longer, bigger, faster, stronger. And so windows are a lot tighter because, uh, I don't know, there's, like, a lot more space being clogged up and there's a lot less driving room. Uh, I don't know, but thinking back in high school, like, you know, sh- playing against shorter guys, slower dudes. Uh, driving lanes are always nice because you can drive a car right through them because they're always wide open and stuff like that. But uh, now you have to kind of pick and choose your times because, well, depending on how the defense is rotating and stuff in different situations. But uh, decision decision making is a definitely a lot faster and has to be a lot quicker now. So, who is the best player you've played with? Like the best teammate you've ever competed with from all the times that like maybe it's at Boise state, maybe it's before, uh, but who's the best teammate you've ever played with and why with and why, um, let's see. If we're talking about like the most skilled player I've ever played with. Yeah. It'd probably be last year against Marcus Shaver. Uh, that dude was the starting point guard. And so me and him, we, uh, always were against each other every day at practice. So I went against him every day. And uh, I don't think I've ever played against a faster dude and uh, someone more as skilled as him because he was like four inches shorter than me. But uh, he played big, like as if he was like six six or something like that. Uh, he could get a shot off whenever he wanted. So he was definitely the most skilled. Um, but I'm trying to think of other players I've played with. I think the two that come to my mind is uh, Mason Falsliff over at Utah State and uh, Dallin Hall at BYU. Uh, those get, kids are really good. Downhaul, just because uh, from an IQ standpoint, um, he was really good at facilitating and just like kind of reading the game. So it was really, really, really cool to play with him. I love playing with him. I think everybody loved playing with Down because uh, you knew if you played with him that you're probably going get, to get a lot more shots because he would find you somehow. And uh, he just knew how to read the game. And then Mason, Mason uh, he was just a fun kid to play with, a lot of passion on the court really gritty and uh he got after it he just had a, this like fire and uh like jump really high he was always dunking on dudes on the adidas circuit and stuff like that so seeing this white boy just six two dunking on dudes really got you hyped up and stuff and so uh playing with him he's a really really great player just got after it like super scrappy uh just a tough fighter and i always love playing with fighters because uh it's one thing to go play like with good players and stuff that like make things look good but at the end of the day, like, I want to win. And, uh, like, I want to go to war with scrappy dudes that want to fight and, you know, go to war and, like, just, you know, beat you up a little bit. You know, the you know the dudes, like, you always play against, like, you know, you just don't want to play them twice because they beat you up and you leave yeah. with bruises and stuff. I like playing with those kinds of dudes, so. Yeah. Heck, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. You know, as we get towards the, the end of the interview, I just had a couple things to ask. I had a couple different um, questions. One was in regards to club basketball. You kind of referenced it a couple of times. Um, club basketball is a big thing now. Uh, I mean, back when I was in high school, which is 2006, uh, mm-hmm. it, it was different. Like you, they didn't, it wasn't so big as it is now, but I do believe it is monumental, uh, coaching club basketball myself. I see a lot of progression for a lot of these athletes that are playing. Like it, it's a huge opportunity for them, but I want to know from your perspective, your thoughts on club basketball and how maybe that impacted your game. Yeah. Club basketball, uh, Definitely a huge part of uh, my success as a player, uh, especially being looked at by college recruiters and stuff, because I don't think I ever had one college coach to come to a high school game just because they had heard of this kid at Burley or something like that. 
Um, like growing up, we played just regular AAU ball uh, on this team called Utah Hard Knocks. And then um, we would go travel to like California, Oregon, Washington, different places to play ball. Um, a couple in Vegas too. Um, but then uh, like going to those different tur- tournaments and like those live events all the way up to about my ninth grade year. Like we would get like one, maybe two, maybe three college coaches at a game. And uh, that was just because of connections and stuff that like either my dad knew or uh, he had a friend that knew somebody and they would come to a game or something like that and uh, watch our team. But uh, the biggest jump we ever made was when we switched over to uh, at the time it was called XM Elite. I think now they're Utah prospects. Um, they're on the Adidas circuit. And so playing on those like different shoe sponsored circuits like Nike, YBL, Adidas, Under Armour, um, those things are big because uh, it's like no matter what game you go to, no matter who you're playing, there's always like at least 50 to 100 college coaches every game. Like, And you don't know who it's going to be. They're just like wandering from court to court at those different live events, just like kind of seeing who might catch their eye and stuff like that. And so that opportunity to play on that Adidas circuit, like in front of all those college coaches and finally get that opportunity, that was big. I was finally when like I started talking to different coaches and they were calling me and stuff and sending letters and different things like that. And uh, they would actually come to high school games because of that. They never knew me, but then they saw me at those live events and then they would make the trip out to Burley. Like uh, I was all the way in New York playing on that Adidas uh, circuit live event. That was when Coach Burns at Boise State saw me for the first time. And so I was right in his backyard, but they never knew about me because I was playing those regular live events with just regular AAU teams. But uh, as soon as we hopped on the Adidas circuit, he was at a tournament uh, at that live period and saw me on one of the courts. And he was like, hey, who's that kid? And he went to our uh, program director and he's like, hey, like asking questions about me. And he's like, bro, he's from Idaho. Like he's in your guys' backyard. (laughs) And so it was funny that they had all go all the way to New York just to find me for the first time. So that was funny. Yo, that's actually wild, man. But that's that's yeah. cool to hear. That's the stuff that happens if you compete in club ball and you get with the right clubs and you're on the right program, right circuit, potentially. Like everything has to, you know, and you still got to put in the work, but yeah. you get opportunities. If you take advantage of them, it can be huge. Um, okay, Boise State, so far I got a year down. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite memory thus far, a favorite game that you played in and uh, and why at Boise State? Yeah, Um Dang, there's a lot of good ones. Um, I think my fa- my favorite game personally was when we were at UNLV. Um, that was a pretty cool environment, like being there for the first time. Uh, it's pretty intimidating because uh, you got all these fans walking in. They're all drunk and like yeah. cussing you out and stuff like that. They even got like a mini bar right on the court for like the VIP like boosters and stuff. So they're just like popping shots right there on the court, like cussing you out and stuff. And it's on our side where we're shooting to warm up, of course. Um, and then, like, right before the game, like, when we're in our huddle, like, they're announcing the other team after they just announced us. And um, we're, like, drawing up our first play for the game and whatnot. And this, like, mop guy or this, like, security guy comes over and he's, like, telling us to move, like, to get out of the way. And, like, we're all getting mad because, like – so a thing in college basketball sometimes, like, other teams will like get these mop boys or like these security guys to like come over and get play calls so that they can write them down and stuff. So then they're kind of, kind of cheating the system. So we thought that's what this guy was doing. He's trying to get our play call or something like that, but no, he was actually like looking out for our safety. 
because all of a sudden like this fire shoots up out behind the basket and like probably like seared our eyebrows a little bit it was like really hot and so like already like this is an intimidating environment and so uh right out of the gate i remember uh when i got subbed into the game in the first half uh like they were picking up me picking me up full court and uh i went to make a move to go buy this dude and he picked my pocket and it was a loose ball i ended up going for it and fouling him to get to the loose ball so i got an offensive foul i got ripped out immediately and uh i just remember like the other point point guard came in and he had a rolled ankle he was trying to play on and i came in and already messed everything up so i was feeling pretty bad in the first half and uh like they didn't play me the rest of the half but uh we went into the locker room came back out and they looked at me and they're like hey you got to be ready to go this half like he's hurting we're gonna need you and uh i remember like being a little nervous for sure uh being a little scared because i just gone out there and already messed up my first chance and uh first like two minutes of the game uh, of the half like shaver is like hurting pretty bad he can't even get up and down the court so they go to sub me in we call a timeout and um we huddle up we're coming out of the play and uh durier grabs me and he's like hey bro don't be scared like you're ready for this like i see you in the gym all the time like you're in there more than anybody else if anybody's ready for this moment it's you don't be scared you know how to play ball go out there and show them how you, how you know how to play and uh that like just gave me a lot of confidence i remember it from the start from the get-go and uh i came out of there and they started pressing me again and i just went by him and like the first play i went by him all the way down the court team run our play drew the big threw a little dump to lucas he dunked it and then the next play coming down the court we ran a, a play where i ended up getting all the way to the rim finishing and then next time down the court it was like i threw another lob to lucas he dunked it and then tyson was in the post he threw it over to me like two plays later and i whacked a three and then like three plays later I ended up making a dish for another assist. And then two plays later, like they, he was pressing me again, full court. And I ended up going by him, but then I got into the lane a little bit, pulled it back out. And I think he was trying to switch with somebody else. I found myself wide open at the top of the key with five seconds off the shot clock. And so I was like, I'll pull it. So I just pulled it and drained it. And I think everybody on our side, like all the fans that had traveled for Boise State, they just went nuts. And, like, the entire arena was just, like, quiet at that point. Like, it had been loud that entire time, but it just, like, silenced everybody. And that was, like, a really, really cool feeling. They called a timeout. We were all pumped. I was fist pumping and stuff and uh, hitting shoulders with dudes. And then I think I ended up finishing with, like, 10 points in eight minutes of play in that second half. And so uh, that was just a really good memory. And, like, UNLV was picked to beat us that game or something like that. Uh, especially being on the road in that environment. And so uh, that was just a big game where uh, I felt like my first, like, coming out party, like, I finally felt comfortable in uh, D1 basketball and, like, being in the Mountain West and stuff like that. Like, I was like, okay, like, no, I belong here. Like, I, I can be a good player. So that was a really good game for me to be able to gain a lot of confidence going forward. So, Dude, as you say that, all of those things, I remember the game. So it's so cool. <laughs> Just hearing it from your perspective, I'm like putting myself in your shoes. One thing I'll take away from that uh, that I would that I would encourage the the athletes listening to is like you made a mistake, and I always tell people this, Chase. I'm sure this is like the same concept that you would try not to make one mistake go into two, three, four, five mistakes. Like, and you were the thing that I like that you said is like you were still nervous. Like you made the mistake, you were still nervous. 
guy tells you, you know, hey, you've been putting time in the gym, but you're still nervous. So you're like, well, shoot, you're so it's still in the back of your head a little bit, but you were able to go out and execute and trust the training that you had put in. Mm -hmm. um, and then you just kind of got into a flow. You got yourself into the thing. And that's a big thing, I think, for athletes at any level. Like if you make a mistake, that's going to happen. Uh, you're going to turn the ball over from time to time. You might make a mistake on defense, on a rotation, or whatever it might be. Just don't mm -hmm. try your best to like not allow that mistake to like stem into three, four, or five mistakes. If you can get it just one and then move on, it typically can turn out well for you. So, mm -hmm. uh, as I wrap it up, last question I got for you, Jace. Sure. Uh, what's the biggest life lesson that basketball's taught you? Biggest life lesson. Whew. There's a lot of good ones for sure. Um, if I had to just. Dang, that's hard to pick just one. Um, I don't know. Like, we're definitely here to be tested, and we're going to get knocked down a lot. Um, smooth waters never made a skilled sailor. And so uh, I think basketball teaches you mostly how to get back up after you make mistakes because, you know, we're humans, and we're going to make a ton of mistakes, especially playing the game of basketball. It's supposed to be imperfect. I think that's why it's beautiful. Um but I think the biggest like thing you'll come to learn is how to get back up and why you get back up. And then it teaches you to be stronger because of it. And like, I don't know when I, I know when I'm done with the game of basketball and life moves on. And uh, even when I'm playing the game of basketball, like there's stuff that you go through, but uh, life will throw its, throw its best at you. And so uh, you got to be able to, you know, take the shots, but keep going. And uh, every time you get knocked down, keep moving forward and get back up. Because uh, it's always a new day. Each day is a gift. And uh, like just like basketball, every game is a gift. Every opportunity is a gift that you get uh, to just keep moving forward and get back up. And because uh, I don't know, you're like something that my dad always tells me is uh, you're only as good as your last game. And so uh, no matter what you've done in the past, if you've mass messed up bad, had a terrible game, um, if you've had a 40 point game, 50 point game or like you feel like you're on the top of the world, you still got to get back up, dust yourself off and prove something the next time you got to prove to people who you are the next time at the next opportunity i think the same thing applies to life like when you get knocked down or you're feeling good you're on top of the world like everything's going your way like how do you respond when everything's going your way and how do you respond when you get knocked down like you still got to move forward and get back up and prove yourself every day so i think that's the biggest life lesson so well stated man i appreciate that ladies and gentlemen jace whiting boise state basketball player uh, Jace, we're going to be going to your games. I got my son. I'm going to probably take him to a couple of games. A buddy of mine whom you know, his name's Garrett Crone. Uh, he's going to be coming to the games too. We're going to be cheering you on, man. And it's kind of cool because like I'm a Boise State guy through and through, born and raised in, in Boise. I hate BYU with the strongest passion. I hate them, but now I have to root for them because your mom and your sister are there. So I got, I got a little bit of love for the fam. got a massive mm -hmm. respect for you and your entire family. So I'm, I'm looking forward to rooting for I would never thought I'd say that, but I'm looking forward to rooting for not only Boise State, but BYU athletics this year. And uh, yeah, dude, you got a friend in me. And uh, if you ever need anything, just let me know. But ladies and gentlemen, Jace Whiting, thanks so much for joining the show, brother. Of course. Appreciate you. Thank you. Absolutely, man. Well, uh, everybody subscribe to the podcast. We'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.